Hi everyone, welcome to the Loud Days Led podcast. No Tim Kutiris in here, no client. Look at us, we've got my myself, Alana. We've got general manager of Loud Days, Matthew Fagan. Hi everyone. And the glorious Nigel. <laughs> I like the fact that Nigel is a title in itself. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> one word. <laughs> I'm going to try and get that added to the dictionary. What's your position, Nigel? Good thing you're with a digital agency who can make that happen. <laughs> Online campaign. <laughs> Social co- – oh, God, no, let's not start another thing. Here we go. Uh, so, very exciting. The three of us are here, sans Tim, to have the discussion about really clients without clients in the room. Yeah, and sort of what we do. <laughs> this is the kind of the behind the scenes. What we what we what we say. What we do behind the scenes without the client. <laughs> so we present to them a united front that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and this is really good because I get to straddle both kind of sides of it because I sit with Philodemo and I'm trying to do it from that end. But in a lot of these relationships, I don't get to hear what goes on on the other side. All I hear is just create this. Okay, okay. why? Where's it going? What's it doing? You hear the outcome yeah. without the problem solution yeah, yeah. banter of. What do we do here? Yeah. So I'm going to stay as quiet as possible and then ask the dumb questions which are probably in everyone's mind that they wouldn't <laughs> think to ask. But I'm going to play, inverted commas, the role of the un- uneducated person in the room. You and me both, <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Matt, why don't you kick off uh, just to give anyone context who might not have listened to the other episodes, obviously, yeah. the two glorious ones. Uh, Loud Days is laying it all bare to make sure that we can – show the world how a client goes from zero to hero. I'm owning that. Um, in terms of digital. So we've started with Philodemo at a very clean base. Would yeah. you say that? Zero base. Zero base. <laughs> assuming, we're, we're assuming zero base. Yeah. And so if you want to jump back and listen to the two episodes, you're more than welcome. If you want to jump in here, uh, Matt and I are going to have the discussion and we haven't yet had this. This is not rehearsed or <laughs> anything like that. This is genuinely how an agency takes it from a meeting with the client where we found out to an adequate level what it is that they want. We have a basic idea of their strategy. They've sent us all the information that we've requested and so we have put together the outline of what comes next and so this is really the start of the agency-client relationship once we've all made sure we're on the same page, we're all good friends and that relationship part's out of the way. This is now uh, the real stuff. So, Matt. Yeah. Make it happen. <laughs> no, no pressure at all. <laughs> so so last time we, we caught up with Tim and the team, we um, we were talking about a few things, mainly around sort of the brand experience and user experience um, between the Philodemo Global Consultancy and the uh, Content Hub or the, the, the Philodemo uh, Business Hub. So I think we really wanted to clarify what the relationship was between the two and how they would actually work together, whether it was a, a separate entity, there was a separate brand identity for the uh, business hub or whether they were essentially one and the same. The The other thing we, st- that we spoke about was real un- really understanding what the, the site map or the user experience and journey was between those those two platforms and the content objectives and, and exactly what we were looking at, at actually doing. So that was kind of the core of, of what we were doing. And then at the end of it, um, we as an agency were going away to look at what the, the content strategy or the content pillars might actually be and the how we would actually manage key terms um, to make sure that the content within the, the hub was actually searchable. So if anyone wanted to find out about 
um, finance or leadership or um, anything like that, you can actually key in those keywords and the, the relevant content will show up. So we wanted to make sure that that strategy was actually in place. And then the actual platform itself. So one of the key things at this stage for me is making sure that we don't create something that we have to change in six months because Philodemo Business Hub has outgrown the platform. So there's a couple of platforms in play at the moment, one being um, uh, Squarespace where the main website is actually hosted at the moment and then there's a like a learning LMS um, platform called Kajabi. That's a learning management system for anyone <laughs> yeah. playing at home and Nigel, <laughs> you know that one. <laughs> so we, we wanted to have a – we just – essentially wanted to test the the platform and have a look at those platforms to make sure that what we were creating um, was was relevant to those platforms or whether we could actually use what we had today or whether we had to go out and actually look for something else. So that's kind of where we we um, we sort of kicked off. Good synopsis. <laughs> Nigel, any <laughs> questions or buzzwords that jumped out at you there? <laughs> uh, the obvious one being the UI uh, or, or user <laughs> as, no it's UX, UX user experience that's user experience yeah, yeah. so um, a lot of people at the moment would be going out and talking to people and UX and UI are mm. the things that are thrown around with great abandon <laughs> um, what is the difference this is just would be a two second thing what is the difference between UI or user interface and UX user experience so your user experience is essentially – or the UX user experience is essentially how you travel through a website, how you actually um, move through a website from once from when you land on a page. So it starts as soon as you click on something outside of the website. So if you're in Google Ads and you click, then if you land on a relevant, pa- a relevant page, you're experiencing that page for the first time, whether the content's correct and things like that. But the user experience really comes in when you actually create a journey for a user through that website. So you want to make sure that there's a purpose for, for when that user goes onto the site, whether it's to fill out a form, click on a button, make a phone call. So when you're creating a, a website or, or a user experience, you want to make sure that you're creating uh, channels or journeys for each of those target markets to actually travel through and, and, and sort of have the... Um, the outcome that you actually want them to do. So the Nigel understanding of that, it's making sure that people get to the place they want to go as easy as possible and that you give them the opportunities to lead them to the next place that they may want to go. Exactly. Perfect. Without feeling like you're being pulled in many directions. So if you jump from a Google ad to a website and there's a huge discrepancy, most likely you'll have a high drop-off rate because the message doesn't match the medium. And can I ask, is this – this looking at the user experience, is this what a traditional digital agency would look at or is this something that you guys do separate to as, as an additional offering? Uh, this is probably where digital agencies can differ yeah. and there's mm. website development, there's UX specialists, there's all of the things. Our specialty as an agency is about the return on investment. Yeah. So we integrate it into what we do and we bring the right people in who specialise in that. Awesome. For what we're trying to do. Awesome. Because, I mean, the main thing for us is if, if you're spending on advertising, you're sending people to your website, if the experience is bad, there's no point in us sending traffic to your website. So that's a conversation we'll have to make sure that you're not wasting your advertising dollars to send traffic to a, to a landing page or to a website that's just not going to convert. Brilliant. Yeah. Sweet. So then the other, your other question around user interface is then the way people actually interact with your website, whether it's the 
the way the size of a button, the way it clicks, the way it hovers, the, if, if there's sort of magnifiers over images, they're all the they're all the uh, I guess user interface elements as okay. part of a website. And getting the Alana spin on it is that the fluff or the stuff? <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm diplomacy. Get in so much <laughs> um, it honestly, and I'm going to be very blunt here. It's how do you give the audience what they want. So if you're on a fashion website, you need a magnifier. I need to see all the details in what I'm going to purchase. If I'm coming to a website to enter my details to download a document and then I suddenly get a pop-up that says subscribe to my newsletter, it's going to annoy me because I'm mm. going to this website to get this particular document. Okay. And so that's where the audience and as Matt was saying, that outcome of why you're there is so important to know at the beginning because then you make sure that everything funnels through together. Yeah, and, it, and it's really around the conversion rate of the, the website as well. And that's something that I'm really passionate about is making sure that even if it, it, small incremental changes of a website will make a huge difference to your conversion rate. So whether it is the size of a button, and this is why we do A-B testing and split testing of content and pages and, and elements like buttons, because we want to incrementally increase the, the conversion rate of a landing page or of a website. And that's super important because if you're currently sending a thousand people to your page every month and you've got a 1% conversion rate, just by increasing that to, to 1.3, 1.5, you're already getting sort of incrementally sort of more customers each month. Beautiful. So Love it. So it's no silver bullet. It's the percentage <laughs> increase in the right areas. Yes. Yep. yep. Perfect. Numbers. Mm -hmm. um, so, Matt – We've got the client. What are you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think let's start with the content. Possibly yep. that's an uh, more <laughs> interesting for many people <laughs> at the start of this discussion. Yeah. Um, just to give a nice overview, and this is the sort of stuff that you can do without an agency, is Days has developed four key elements that we usually bucket our content into. And as Matt said, it's the objective behind them. And so just as a very top line overview, the first bucket is all about trust. So how do you build trust in the business through digital? The second one's all about education. How do you educate your community, giving them knowledge, giving them information that they will actually find interesting and therefore want to connect with the brand or the business? The third one is the inspiration. So this is usually in the form of uh, user-generated content or nice soft stories, but it's that warm and fuzzy feeling that everyone they start to think that's me. I'm a guy like me as opposed to here's another <laughs> influencer on a beach that I am not. Yep. And then the fourth and possibly most important is the lead gen, that return on investment side of things. It doesn't always have to be uh, financial but quite often it is. So any anyone playing at home, if you are trying to do this yourself, they're the four buckets that I would recommend that you begin with because it's a really nice overview. You know what builds trust from your business, you know what you can educate on and you know the inspiration content that you need. So that's just a, a top line view. Yeah, and I think what came out of the discussion last week, and this is sort of the, some of the mental notes that I've made over the last week or so. <laughs> Matt is really has really great mental notes, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like organising in my head. <laughs> so, um, is really organising, and this is I think the one of the recommendations that um, I'm definitely making back to Philodomo is around the, the, the content those content pillars and content subjects um, and that's something that we can assist with but at the end of the day we need to work with them or we, they need to take more of a lead in terms of the 
the content that they're comfortable to develop and the subject matters that they're comfortable to speak about now at the moment, sort of at launch. Mm-hmm. And so, so sorry, but to throw back to the second episode where Tim's question was where does agency versus client um, differ, our job, and I'm talking directly to Nigel here as the content creator, <laughs> a lot of it, um, as Matt's saying, we will give you what we believe but you know the business better than we do. So yep. if we say let's do A, B and C, you have every right to say we're doing B and C but A actually does not fit or have you thought about E? Yeah. So it's a it's a give and take on that. You'll take the this is what best practice is and what we believe but the deeper knowledge of how you're in the business every day, um, how do we refine A or C Correct. or Dump it for <laughs> yeah. B and C are the ones that are gonna work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we, we can say you need content pillars. Yep. And that's great. But at the end of the day, we don't and we could say, all right, one about change management might be nice, leadership, strategy, communication. They might be good pillars for you to start with. And then Philodomo will come back and say, Oh, actually we're not experts in one of those. So yep. you'd swap it out. So it's this is where there's a bit of give and take between the two to say this is the we're presenting the framework. And then this is where Flodmo needs to come back and say, okay, well, we're, we're happy with the framework. We can work within that framework. And these are the, the content pillars that we're, we're happy to work with um, at this point in time. And it's really just for, for launch. And then over time, there'll be a timeline for you guys to, to then expand that. Yep. Um, so, for example, I guess the, we're in terms of setting up this whole, whole process and, and sort of where we move. So the, an example of the content subjects, for example, might be around leadership, strategy, communication, self-improvement. Um, but the content pillars that they fall within might be around business, leadership, personal development. So it's when we're creating content or when you're creating content, how are you? How, how are we organising that information based on how we're going to present it to the end user? Yeah. Um, and that's for me really important because when we move into um, social and advertising and, and those types of channels to promote the content, it's comes back to that user journey and that user experience that user experience how we then sending people from off-site channels so google search um, social media through to that content on the website and what type of experience are they going to have we don't want them to be confused once they actually get there yeah so matt looking at the content subjects that we've got here let's pull it back a bit so our content pillars that i can see in the notes that you've sent me on slack uh, business. Shout out to Slack if you feel like uh, sponsoring the podcast. We're open. Very open. <laughs> we love you and everything about you. Um, content pillars are business, leadership, personal development and marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought they were a nice kind of high level. So if we think of the content pillars as really high level categories mm-hmm. and then we can break out sort of subjects within those. Yeah. And so I think a really good one here is the business. So within the business content pillar, Nigel, for you, We've got managing change, yep. strategy, communication, sales, finance, innovation, productivity, culture and data. So straight away when we say we need some content to fill out the business bucket, yep. you can pull from any of those content subjects that we obviously send to you awesome. and then develop up off the back of that. So if we say we're going to do content pillar business and we're going to talk about communication as the subjects – how many communication topics do you think you could pull out? See, this is um, that old game that we used to uh, – I don't know if everyone else used to play <laughs> it, uh, but um, essentially naming a band. You sit down and you write 450 variations of a name just based on theme. 
Yeah. So that communication thing, you sit down for 15 minutes and just have a brainstorm going bang, 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 bang. You end up with a lot there. Mm-hmm. Where do, what do we do with that? Is that our decision at that point that we go, these are the ones that we're going to do if we're talking traditional agency client relationship? So, so for me, it's the, the approach for me is that I'm comfortable if – so I'll present this structure yep. to, to Philodomo and then the actual content development, the way you categorise it, the what you brainstorm, then is, this is just the framework to organise it. Awesome. So, so you guys absolutely go away and you, you, you brainstorm the, 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 the ideas yep. and then come back and, f- and, and put it within that and place it in that framework. Because okay. there's, there's an interesting thing because we're working a little bit siloed yeah. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you've developed these content pillars or the, the buckets at the moment. I know TK has been doing work against our branding documentation mm-hmm. about the styling and where, what messages need to go in according to what we've agreed yeah. um, is what makes a successful communication from Philodomo. Mm-hmm. So we need to then marry these two documents together and go, well, these go into this content bucket. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And some people have got in-house content creators like Philodomo. Some people would actually use Loud Days to do it on their behalf, at which point we would do all of the things as it sits the four of us We'll sit together and do exactly that. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm coming at from I'm coming at it from the the perspective of if you look at a a, um, a HBR website or a uh, TED Talks website. That's yep. the Harvard Business Review. Where where <laughs> <laughs> or or any any website where they're housing a lot of content and they're working with a lot of content. It's simply around how is that content on the website being organised. Awesome. And this is this is purely a, a sort of a framework to, to do that now. So later on we're not then working with, with the team to say, okay, well, how do we – we've got a ton of content. How do we reorganise <laughs> this stuff? Right. So without <laughs> um, minimising that, so you're talking organisational organizational filing essentially, yes. uh, so make it as easy as possible. And the document that TK is working through is talking thematic and presentation. Yeah, so it's, con- it's content and context is the easiest mm-hmm. way of saying it. Yeah. Um, because the – sorry, just to, to add to that, the, the next layer of – to make sure – making sure that we get this right now because the next layer would essentially, could essentially be, okay, are you doing a piece on leadership in Australia? Are you doing a piece on leadership in New Zealand? Is it in Singapore? Um, so you – you start building out these this content, but then it has broader context. So yeah, you, you need to to then overlay industries, countries, regions. Um, it could be um, something around small business in uh, rural communities in another country, for yeah. example. Where does that fit in with your overall content strategy? So this is just the the framework and the foundation to make sure that we're we've, we're future proofing the the content structure. Brilliant. I love this. <laughs> the amount of times I've had to go back and reorganise. Yeah, yeah. That's what we don't want. And it can be really hard. I know um, a lot of people do want to jump in and this is something Tim's been working very hard not to just bullet a gate, just run at it. Um, it's really easy just to do without planning. And what inevitably happens is you do without planning and then you have to go back to the start to figure out what it all means. Yep. And so where this actually ends up is we might go with you know, 10,000 pieces of content. The data will simply tell us that content bucket business, topic of communications with a focus on the Asia-Pacific region in hospitality is our best performing. And so this is where the tagging becomes so important that we can 
using the information and the data based on the community interacting with it, watching it, commenting on it, they'll tell us what they're interested in and so then suddenly your 400 band names become three and that's all you've got and that's what you work from and you obviously add and change it but it gives you a really great foundation of there's no longer guessing in digital. People, People vote with their feet in terms of are they there to watch it or are they jumping off after three seconds because you've lost them? Yeah. This is what we then report back once once it all starts moving and so what becomes so big and full of possibility becomes very small and pinpoint. Yeah. So with the data that comes back, and this is for content creators out there because there are a lot of people generating their own, like from iPhone, you can do yeah. pretty much anything at the moment to, to a quality. Absolutely. The data that you guys would look at and analyse, does that give you playtimes of videos where people are falling off, how many people reviews? Awesome. There's a really great ad uh, advertising targeting option. So through social media targeting, Facebook and Instagram particularly, you can target people based on where in the video they dropped off. So if they dropped off at three seconds, you can hit them with one message. If they played it until the end, you can hit them with a different message. Wow. I like that. <laughs> 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 no, it's good because you, you reward the people that, that stay with you to the end. With and you, and you annoy the ones that don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, but that's also a really good point in terms of making sure that you're using your advertising spend in the right way because those that did drop after three seconds, then, then we make a call to say, well, actually, are these people even worth your budget um, or do we target the ones that are really engaged and played until the end? Absolutely. And that – but that – so looking at the start of it, once you've got a bit of data behind, you know, you can make those decisions. But the people that drop off very early on in the early days, who's to say that it's they're not our ideal target or we're not getting to our message quick enough? How do you make that call within an agency? Great question. I mean, I don't think we're, we're not ignoring them. Um, they're, they're still part of our target market. We might not just be saying the right thing at the moment. Yeah. So... And this is where um, the, the 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 content structure that we're putting together sort of comes into it because you might have a, a CEO that always wants to talk about finance and leadership, mm. um, but the audience isn't that interested. But then you've had one podcast on um, self improvement, and that goes through the roof. So then you've actually got data to go back to the business and say, actually, we need to create more of this content. Or, and, or less of this because our audience isn't engaged. I'm going to go out on them <laughs> right at the start of this and say that um, I'm going to put a prediction out there. The highest views and longest views uh, video and content will be around mindset, mm-hmm. anything to do with health in mm-hmm. the thing and the ones that will struggle uh, or that we're going to have to really work hard on are the actual core business concepts and that you need to do the work videos. Mm. So... There is another uh, element of a digital strategy which looks at exactly what you're talking about. Every video, every piece of content has to have its own outcome. So we know that when we talk, say, finances and business, Mm -hmm. it might have a lower engagement rate, but what happens once they click on it and they go to the website? So they don't view the video, but they click on a link to find out more information. Interesting. Mm, versus, and a, a really good gendered example is males generally don't engage on social media. They click on content. Females generally engage. So if you're targeting a male audience, don't look at comments and likes and shares. You look at clicks. 
<laughs> Look at action mm. taken. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And so then that's where the website is so important because if you're sending people about finance or whatever it might be, non-personal development, to a website to find out more information, we know that they're going to read it or we know how they're going to interact on the website. Which actually brings me back to user experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what we did because, there? <laughs> because the and, – and data because essentially what we would do is if somebody clicked uh, from – a finance piece of content and came through to the website, we can then look at their journey through the website because ultimately they might convert through content about leadership. So I think it's really interesting because I'm obviously coming at it from a creator point of view. So everything, all my data that I look at is go, how long did they watch the video for? Because mm-hmm. I care about the thing that I created. <laughs> but as How much do they love me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how good am I? Tell me that, please. <laughs> um, but if people are using this kind of information at home, the fact that if we're looking at the outcome, yep. not the mm-hmm. product, yep. then somebody that watches a video for three seconds but I get the outcome for the business that I want yep. or you get the outcome at home, that's a successful video. You don't need to change that video. You go, what are the elements that attract to them? It obviously can't be the video. Yep. Yep. So it's <laughs> the titling of the video or the copy that goes underneath or the UX that goes along <laughs> with it. <laughs> that yep. took way too much brain capacity. <laughs> <laughs> And this is what we were talking about last week around getting the right metrics and the right um, KPIs in place for the content as well. So if if views or completed views of a video is the only thing that the business needs right now, that's fine. Yep. But if, if it's a conversion and they're clicking through to a landing page and then filling out a form but they only watch three seconds of the video, that's actually just as good. Yeah. So it's, it's about defining – what you need people to do throughout their their journey. So looking at the content buckets that you guys have worked on and that yep. we're working on from our end, yep. each of these buckets could would have a different purpose. Correct. So for some success would be the click through to the website. Mm-hmm. For others it would be, hey, it's a YouTube follow or a push across to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And for others the metric of success would be just completely watching the video. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. And so this is where knowing your platforms is quite important to Matt. I'm sure Matt's going to have a point on this one is w- what is possible. So the general uh, engagement uh, data that you do want to look at, you've got engagement, awareness, reach, impressions, link clicks, video views, uh, CPMs. So that's your cost to reach the thousand people, CPC, which is your cost per click. That's your very basic idea and you can just honestly Google what I've just said if you're a bit confused. (laughs) Please do because I'm not going to ask about every single one of those because that's 20 podcasts. Essentially think of it as a funnel. It's a a, a funnel. um, And it's different ways of getting in. Yeah, so essentially your impressions is how many people you actually reach en masse. Um, Then your frequency is how many people did you touch each time. So did did they see the ad two times, three times and then – that's your reach. Okay. So that's how many – your reach is how many unique people you actually reached with your with your piece of content or your advertising. Then how many actually clicked on it. And so it just keeps going down and keeps down the down. funnel. Yeah. And to your point, we wouldn't be uh, – <laughs> if you put up a link post, you'd be monitoring your link clicks. You yeah. wouldn't be monitoring your video views. And I laugh because we do have this discussion – with clients is that one piece of content should serve one purpose at the time that it's posted. Don't ask one piece of content to do a thousand different things because your data will become all muddled. Yeah. 
And so this is why with video content, as you know, Tim, Tim's being a very understanding client, saying let's begin with the fluffier metrics in terms of reach, engagement, impressions before we move into the conversion. Yeah. The worst thing a client can do is say I want to build relationships and awareness but we're basing everything we're doing together on money in our bank. Right. You have to start with one and move to the other because the data is what's going to get you that huge money in the bank. And that sounds like a conversation you've had quite a few times. <laughs> I've been doing this for nine years. I think Matt's about 15 into it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very well versed, which is probably a nice little segue. Mm. Again, this is working very well it's today. Working very well. Uh, into platforms? Yes. Yeah. So um, I looked at the, the, the Squarespace platform, which is the – and that's if anyone's really interested in, in building – um, or looking at website platforms, sort of what we call WYSIWYG platforms. <laughs> <laughs> what you see is what you get. Hang on. Oh, right. <laughs> Has anybody else ever called them WYSIWYG? Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, my God. We've fallen out of favour. I'm probably showing my age a little bit. But <laughs> I have genuinely never heard never that. Never heard that. What you see is what you get. Like drop and drag. Like male, Like you're not building anything uh, from scratch. You're just yeah. dropping and dragging. WYSIWYG. Yeah, yeah. Into... into Let's everything's keep going. <laughs> everything's templated. But it's really important for people to be able to, to do things themselves as well and not always rely on on um, on companies that do big development projects and things like yeah. that. Love that. Um, so that's so so Squarespace is one of those. Um, and also looked at uh, Kajabi, yep. which is the, the the learning platform that we spoke about. So um, one of the things I want to talk to you, Lana, around the I guess future proofing the content strategy and the yeah. is around whether those two platforms work for what Flodomo actually need. Yeah. Um, in my assessment, Kajabi doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Squarespace does for the for the short to medium term, and I say that for a couple of reasons. So, Kajabi is a it's a it's a great platform, uh, it, but it's it's set up for learning modules. So if yeah. you've got um, sort of in-house uh, modules or or videos for people to watch and 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 get sort of learning points and things like that that's a great platform or if it's internal like in a like an intranet uh, type platform that's also great I, I guess I'm looking at if I look at a, a HBR or Wall Street Journal or a news outlet or any any website where they're dealing with tons of content yeah every day whether that platform has the capacity to deal with it and whether it looks good, whether it's flexible enough for us to organise the information in a way that looks really engaging. Uh, and as we were saying, sort of the user experience is really important because at this point if we put content out and the interface looks crap, then people just aren't going to come back. Yeah. But also from a future-proofing point of view, we want to be able to collect the, the data that we need to make sure that we're analysing the content in the right way but also that uh, there's future opportunities in terms of – so Tim hasn't spoken about this, but this is something that I'm thinking about from a, in terms of recommendations is, is how is the platform uh, monetized in the medium to long term. Yeah. So if the opportunity isn't around currently around bringing new leads into Philodomo, is there another way to actually monetize the platform? So for me, yes, there is. Yeah. So there's there's so the data with the data and audiences comes advertising, digital advertising. So do we medium term set up uh, um, an affiliate program or 
a opportunity for relevant organisations to buy advertising on the full automotive business hub. And it could be Sam's night travel luggage because we're dealing with business people. Like that might be a great sponsorship opportunity for them. Yeah. And it's a way for us to to, to help pay for the platform. <laughs> <laughs> but so so these are all the things that I'm thinking of when we're when we're when we're looking at platforms and, and how we're actually laying out the, the content and making sure that we're getting the data and the insights that we actually need to, to run it. So for me, I'm coming back to, to Squarespace because it's quick and easy for us to set up. Mm-hmm. It's flexible um, and it should give us sort of short and medium term. Um, it, it's a good short or medium term platform for us to use yeah. without going custom like a Magento or a custom or a anything like that. <laughs> and this is a very uh, – this is a much bigger conversation, which it's also why in agencies uh, junior people and senior people work together because you can't expect a 20-something-year-old who's come out of uni or whatever they might have done, gotten into digital to say, from a business point of view, we have to monetize this platform. That's not the job of an agency. The job of an agency is to do the work. What we're hearing here from Matt is actually – that's great, we can do the work, but how can we get more out of it? How can we bring the money into the business? How can we give this to your audience in the way that you've said that you want them to get it? But also what's the next step for the business? What actually is the point of us doing a business hub? Because it's definitely not just to put content out. There has to always be a bigger business philosophy. And if we can understand that, which I think monetizing it is a really wonderful idea, I would personally love to get that to that place, let's build it for that. Let's build it for the end goal. Mm-hmm. We'll say medium, yeah, medium end goal. And it's also built for the the option of not having it. And that's the, yeah. but that's the point, I guess, of the what we're trying to bring to the table is that we're we're offering solutions that are flexible enough to move with the business. We don't we don't want to be stuck in twelve months time with with something that has to be redone. And then everything migrated across, all the issues that come with that. So uh, my personal point of view, and I think what we should put to Philodomo, is that the business hub is on Squarespace. It works with their current website. It's got wonderful tracking. Again, we're not sponsored by Squarespace, (laughs) um, but we could be. Um, Wonderful tracking in terms of Google Tag Manager and the pixels and everything that we need there. Very, very user-friendly and very supportive of the content formats that Philodomo will be creating. And, I, and it also integrates with the Philodomo Global's website yeah. currently. And that's, I guess, what I wanted to talk about next was the we, – we spoke last time around what the relationship is between Philodomo Global's website and the hub. Yeah. And the, the other recommendation that uh, I think we need to put forward is around making the link between the two. So there's, Absolutely. Yeah, so I think there's the – I think the recommendation is we need to get moving on actually developing the – the actual content hub yep. because I think it's a really good opportunity for Philodomo to actually see the structure and what we're thinking of in terms of the the, the platform and the website itself yep. to provide context because I think it's really – it's great to create new content but until you see the actual context of where it sits, how it's housed, how people will interact with it, then you'll get a better understanding of, of how this whole thing could actually come together yep. um, and then linking – to that content from Philodomo Global, even if it's a just a button on the on the in, within the menu, yeah. like a really a prominent button on the top right hand corner of the Philodomo Global website, with Philodomo Business Hub, and then they ping out to the the actual content. And what we can actually do with that is because uh, the 
LMS is for clients only. And so what we can do is actually have a button as well that says something like members only and when they click on it, mm. it goes to the login Absolutely. of the LMS. So yeah. it all talk, it all sits together mm. but then we can manage who sees what. So I don't know if I can ask you questions, Nigel. Can I? You can. I don't know if I can answer them. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. So, so one, of the, one of the interesting points will be around whether the – so there's the, the content currently f- for clients mm-hmm. is locked content, so it's password-protected content. And then there's public content that you're also developing. So will the locked content or the password protected content for clients still exist or yes. will it all be become public? No. So there will be um, free content uh, but the the behind the paywall yeah. <laughs> content is uh, way too valuable from that end and not structured in a – it's structured as an LMS product. Okay. So a – point A to point B, you have to know our systems and processes or be taught them through that. Yep. And as a free content kind of thing, it's not really accessible yeah. no, from a the, emotional and yeah. – yeah. And also uh, putting my Philodomo hat on, we want to make sure that we're giving Philodomo clients the edge in business and okay. in life generally. And so if you're not part of that, you, you don't get that edge. And this is probably, I think, what we're going to have to find – is a very fine line or a grey area, depending which way you want to go, on the actual the business hub. Mm. What is that free content versus what is... Where I kind of see it sitting at the moment is there are people, if we're looking just taking all the fluffiness out of it, there are people that would like to be a part of Philodomo but aren't ready to be a part of the Philodomo program. The client, the client portal, let's call it that... Yeah. Uh, is for people that are familiar with our languaging, have already taken steps towards, so we can talk in a certain way to it. So the client portal will sit here. Mm. The business hub, as you guys have been talking about it, is almost the videos to prep people and let them earn their way up to going, hey, now I'm Mm. ready for the next step. So that next step would be unfair to put people into it because they don't have the context to actually do it yet. Yep. And this is the sort of stuff that an agency just doesn't know. We hear business mm. hub and we hear client portal and all these sorts of things. So we make our recommendations based on these assumptions. Yep. So we possibly will come back and say, yes, let's do Squarespace. Let's add these buttons to it. Let's bring the client portal into it. And uh, for Lottimo as the client might say, actually, no, we don't want the member portal on Squarespace. So it's never that the agency has made a wrong decision, it's that we've put forward the best recommendations with the information that we have. Yeah. So it's quite helpful having you in here while we have yeah. this discussion. So even even just based on, on that discussion, I think it's for me, the, it's it's clear that the the Flodmo Global website is essentially the, the public brochure website behind that and then there's Kajabi behind that. So that stays as it is. It's it operates as it as it currently does. And then there's what's new is the the new Squarespace business platform or yeah. business hub our public facing hub. your public yeah. facing hub so essentially so then it becomes really clear that we're creating this what that ecosystem starts to be yeah um, so i think that's that's really important for us to to then define yeah wonderful we're, we're ticking this off nige any questions or comments on what you're hearing now and again this is this is just how an agency chats as we go through stuff. Yes, we're possibly explaining things a little bit more than we would because Matt and I have got a good uh, good thing going in terms of our beat and our rhythm that we do know what yeah. the other one's talking about. But anything that's coming up for you right now? 
So the last part of the conversation actually clarified something that's been a little bit wishy-washy. To, uh, I'm just going to get that like that pause out. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to find a better way of saying it, but that just that clarification of what is your idea of the business hub versus what is our idea. Going, mm. hey, that conversation has saved us a lot of pain because it's just now focused production into two areas. Yep. I've got my in-house, which I don't need to bother you guys about, and then there's our public facing, which I need your help yep. to Absolutely. tell us how to do it and how to do it as quickly as possible. Yeah, <laughs> love it. All right. What's next on the agenda? What's next? <laughs> so, so I think the, um, the the main thing going forward now is getting full automotive agreement on next steps, so we can we can actually help kick the process off. Yep. So th- the for me that includes uh, full automotive going away and mapping the topics that you're comfortable to to launch the platform with. Currently underway, which should be ready to go to take today. Yeah. And the yeah. reason the reason I say that is. It'll essentially dictate the sitemap that we put forward for the platform. Awesome. Uh, so, and, and I think that's something that we can we can work on at the moment and present to you next time, uh, because it it'll have there'll be implications for the the Flotimo global website and the Flotimo business hub website. Yeah. So that's obviously new, and we'll structure that. We'll completely structure that. Uh, but then it's what tweaks do we need to make? to the, the Flotimo Global site. And between this podcast and the next one, I might I would love to sit down with um, you guys and we can talk about the conversation uh, in the next podcast, but I think it's a longer conversation which yeah. is just going to blow this out. Is <laughs> What, uh, you guys don't want to hear about this? <laughs> but the, because we're talking about placing content in so many different places. Um, YouTube for a lot of people is something that is getting their YouTube views up and whatnot. I need to understand this public-facing content, where we're going to house it and how we're going to do it because I know one of the things we need to do uh, as a part of the greater strategy is to grow our YouTube following. But I know that if we've got the same video housed in three different places and pushing it into three different places, we're going to be cutting off our our noses despite the rest of our bodies, (laughs) not just our faces. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it it is really important because there's uh, the off-site – channels like a YouTube, for example, will essentially be the house for a lot of the uh, – for all of the video that we then embed into the website. Right. So we're talking embedding, not native upload. Correct. Okay. Nice. For the website. For yeah. the website. Yeah. Which means that the the website – I'm going to say it's not heavy. So the, it's not um, – because we don't want to reduce the load time. We don't want the, the website to be so big that it takes a long time for pages to for load. Sure. So we want to make sure that we keep the, the pages as light as possible and house a lot of that heavy content off-site. Beautiful. So we get to, to feed two masters with one thing, essentially. Absolutely. Exactly. Love it. Yeah. Apparently we can have that conversation uh, <laughs> in this. <so. laughs> Until we start to talk about how you need to cut the videos to be different sizes for social versus YouTube versus... Uh, for the tech heads out there, uh, if you're an Adobe Premiere, little uh, tip for you, <laughs> there is a new auto-sequencing feature within it so that you can shoot the one piece of content and it can auto-frame for uh, IG, as we like to call IG. it. IGTV or IGFeed? So square frame, portrait frame, all those kind of things. It's for If you're a mass content producer, it is a lifesaver. And as of... 
we're heading into February 2020, so this could change by March 2020, uh, but looking at vertical videos, it's always been a thing because of Instagram stories, IG stories. Um, <laughs> Thanks for putting it in, in the, the young kids' parlance that I understand. Anytime. Um, but it's also now uh, Facebook is Facebook feed and is recommending that you actually do the vertical videos in the feed because it takes up more real estate, meaning when you scroll it, you scroll for longer on the video itself, whereas before it was uh, taking on YouTube, so it was looking for the horizontal video. Mm. Now it's actually going to the vertical video. So something to keep in mind going back to being able to feed the masters, if you can do that uh, vertical video, it means that your Facebook feed, Instagram feed, Instagram story and probably IGTV is all going to be fed by the same element. So where does square frames come into Just as a side Oh, they're dying. They're dying. Are they? They're on the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Still definitely feed but you will see – uh, squares don't work on LinkedIn. So when you post to LinkedIn, the square, you get the blur on either side of it. Yep. Um, and even on Facebook, they're definitely it's – still, it still works, but it does not work as well as that vertical. So everything's vertical now? Moving towards really? it. Really? Is LinkedIn keeping up or are they still – they're still landscape? They're still landscape. They've yep. got their own thing going on. I don't think they're going to try <laughs> to compete <laughs> with the Facebooks. But I, I do go into LinkedIn holes and just get lost in what's going on there. So definitely something to – because you're doing the vertical videos for YouTube anyway, those can be put onto LinkedIn. Uh, But, yeah, do bring in the – Beautiful. And that's something to be, I think, because you've just tipped the creative, the the, the content part of it. If you are out there filming um, things, just be aware of where you're centering the action within a video. Yeah. Um, so that you know that you can leave yourself that space. You can cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So with that, um, so we've got that uh, Philodemo will be coming back to us with the topic elements. Yep. And there's there's the option, I guess, also, Nudge, of doing it as a – essentially we can whiteboard it or get some post-it notes out and essentially create your sitemap um, together to make sure that we're sort of – we don't go back and forth – yeah, um, with double dipping on work and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So what I would say, knowing uh, TK and knowing my where I'm feeling at the moment, um, anything we can. What is the quickest way at this point that we can start generating content? Well, Matt's got your to do right in front of him. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so this is again agency's job is to yep. tell the client what they actually need to do. Yeah. Um, expectations from the client definitely need to be set that if you don't do the work that's asked or if you phone it in, you can't you can't put it on the agency. Yeah. And so we can send you emails, we can call you. Uh, an agency, a good agency won't get angry if you don't do it because they will have an understanding that there's a lot going on but they will do their best to either push you to get it or step up and say pay us to do it on your behalf because yeah. the outcome will be better. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> so, so the um, the couple of points that I had for for Lotima at the moment, which it sounds like you're already underway with, is is mapping the topics and the the subjects yep. and the the um, the content itself, um, and then cataloging and referencing each of those pieces um, once you're actually once you've actually created it. So, do we need to talk to you if we've uh, created the content? Like we go, you've given us the homework to do, it's already done. Are we able to then go out and shoot without having to talk to you again or do we need to talk to you again before we do that? So I think as long as you are happy with the 
you've internal like within the Flotimo team agreed on the the, the content pillars and mm-hmm. what you're shooting, and that you have a a, a good spread of of content and topics to talk yep. about for when we launch. Just go ahead. And Just go and do it. Do it. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So. If TK's done the work, which I know he has yep. by today, that means that I could effectively, if we go, hey, we've got a gap this afternoon and we know what we're doing, we could go out and start filming and I could start uploading or giving you guys the content Absolutely. to put it in the right place straight away. So I think catalogue it at the moment. So put it in a place where you – so keep it internally catalogued in a place that's referenced and everything for the G-Drive, moment. G-Drive, Google, G- sponsor, yep. open. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then once, and then our next step is to to go away and look at some uh, Squarespace templates that would actually work for the content hub, yep. present that to you. And then once Philodemo agrees uh, uh, the approach, we can start building. And then during that building process, we can actually start importing some of that content. Awesome. Well, that's great. That's because uh, I know that it's ours now is – how do we start moving as quickly as possible because mm. we need feedback from other people to tell us what we should be focusing on. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I just – because I think it would be interesting for people out there um, and very helpful for my job uh, <laughs> is suggested video length. Mm-hmm. Is there any data out there at the moment that tells us how long something should be? One of my favourite comments came about two years ago now and it said we're having two hour meetings about five second videos <laughs> um again it really it comes back to platform and audience yep. so instagram story ads are five seconds long and so obviously we'd say if that's the platform we're going for you have to have that ability youtube is longer uh, facebook is definitely getting into the longer form content yeah uh, igtv it's just dominating and so Instagram has got a 59-second limit on it. Yeah. Not one minute for anyone who <laughs> can't figure out why it won't upload. Um, 59 seconds for the feed but you can now do IGTV which means that you upload it to Instagram TV which is the story and it can be as long as you want and then 59 seconds will play in the feed and it will say keep watching question mark and if you tap yes it takes you to Instagram TV. Oh, brilliant because there was a time where you had to cut your video into 59 second increments and load them up in the right order so they appeared in your story. Absolutely. Yeah. And so now if you upload your general video into your Instagram story, so Instagram story and IGTV are two separate elements. If you upload it into Instagram story, Insta will automatically cut it into the 15 second lots so you don't have to do any cutting oh good on you insta yeah yeah (laughs) and so you know yes that sort of 30 seconds to a minute is definitely the sweet spot for getting that short message across but because of the work that philodomo is doing you shouldn't be having huge 30 second snippets because you've got huge amounts of education that you're actually giving to people yeah and so the content hub will have the long form video Mm -hmm. as will youtube where we start to work together is those snippets and those sound bites. So what is that message for that audience that you could put 30 seconds up that's going to make them click through? Yeah, how does a five-minute video turn into a five-minute video, a two-minute video, a 30-second promo, a 15-second thing and a meme? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're having lot of my memes, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a word. Yeah. Uh, so that that's my take on it. Yeah. I'm much more socially led. So if we go mm. more to Matt and your side of it in terms of that digital ROI element. So, yeah, I agree in terms of the, the – I think Philodemo should be shooting for – longer form yeah but then 
when it's being shot, it's the the shorter formats for social or for for any other form of advertising is purely to get people to the longer format content. But even in those longer format, um, if you're out there creating these kind of things, you do need that attention grab in the first 15 to 30. Mm, People have to know what they're going to be listening to if they're going to invest 5, 10, 15 minutes in you. First 15 to 30 seconds for anyone who missed that part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, actually, no, I'm pretty sure you've got three seconds for attention grab. So uh, one of the biggest metrics Facebook video users is three-second views. How many people watched it for the first three seconds? And does that count if you're just scrolling? Yep. Right. So a lot of the views that people are getting, they're not actual views. No, and that's why you do want to go deeper. Yeah. Um, What happens after it and the longer form views. There's also a really great thing called dwell time. And so if if you ever have those people that you – not particularly friends with but you just love to watch them and stalk them on social media and so you look at their their personal posts more than your other friends mm. and then you wonder why this person keeps coming up in your feed. It's because you dwell on their content. So you might not interact with it. Oh, thank God you told me that. <laughs> <laughs> now I know how to get some people out of my feeds. Now the only reason I mention this is I get this quite a bit from family and friends. Why is this person constantly coming up? It's the same with a business. If you dwell on a piece of content, you don't have to touch it, you don't have to interact with it, you don't have to click on it, but actually just dwell, it stays on your phone for a period of time that social media knows about. So if you dwell on a Qantas post, we know that you're interested in travel. You don't have to actually engage in any form. Because pausing is engagement. Yeah. So that that's a, <laughs> such a vital piece of information because that affects what you put in that first three seconds mm, of the video. Absolutely. It's dead time but and whatever can grab the attention and keep them there for longer. Some people will do an intro with their logo and if it's going up on social media, you've got the name of your profile, you've got your logo and your profile image, you've already got that information there. The... the um, the frame that you choose yep. and that first three seconds is not your business. It's something of real interest that you're going to get them in for the dwell and for those three seconds because once they do that, you can target them. But it's really take it away um, take it away from you as a business and really do just have that thought about your audience which is what is going to get them interested because I know this piece of content is interesting and worthwhile to them. You just have to break through that sort of goldfish rule of that three-second part. That's brilliant. That's like literally the only thing we need to focus on for the first bit if we're looking for engagement and trying mm. to reach. It's yeah. how do we get dwell time first. And Matt and I know for us this is, <laughs> this is just what we do. We, we, can't, we can't sit with every single client and explain to them every single decision that comes out of our head because we have got so many years of random knowledge. <laughs> 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 stuff, yeah. random stuff floating around our heads. <laughs> Why you see that person that you actually don't like. Um, but it is also why our recommendations come from a place of, and every agency does this, you have to trust us. Our job is not to uh, explain to you how social media works. Our job is to explain to you why the strategy we've put forward is going to work for you. And that's a really, really big difference. So we're happy that with on a platform like this we can actually give more education than might be wanted, but it's actually really needed so that people with their agencies can understand that their decisions are coming from a place of trust, knowledge and a lot of work that's gone Mm. into it over the years, Mm. not just let's put up a vertical video. Yeah. But I think also to that point is that the 
although we put a strategy forward and we we execute that strategy, it's not static. That that every business and every in every industry is completely different. So learnings for one business that have worked might not work in exactly the same vertical or the same industry for a different business. So although we 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 put the the strategy forward and we execute that to begin with, it's a continual process of optimizing and changing and learning and and redoing. Um, and that's where that the, the trust comes in the, when we build the trust with, with our clients. Love it. And in the perfect segue, let's let's wrap it up. <laughs> um, so just generally from the agency, we've been able to chat about the content topics and the outlines. So that is looking at the content buckets and also the content topics. And off the back of that, we're going to email Fulonimo and let them know what we need from them in terms of that content, which is what Tim's working on yep. and will allow Philonimo to go out and film yep. and do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, WYSIWYG, we've been able to <laughs> learn a new word um, and we're going to put forward that we believe that Squarespace is the way for Philonimo to go for the business hub. Yeah, so I think for, for us we'll put together a couple of templates yep. um, just to mock up and, and show the team sort of how it mm-hmm. might look because I think that'll be a better better way for them just to, to get on get yep. inside. See it there. Perfect. Um, we've chatted about the platform, so public-facing, ecosystem, private elements of it. So that's given us as an agency a much better idea of how these sitemaps need to work and mm-hmm. how the different platforms can integrate into each other. Yep. Um, and then that's that's really been the chat here yeah. yep. in a nutshell. Yeah. So I think now it's just doing stuff. Time to make it happen. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks, everyone. Uh, Nigel, any any final comments? Uh, final comments being that this is being run as a swap cast um, because we are trying to increase our uh, social reach. You can find this podcast uh, on the Philodomo channel as well as the Loud Days channel. Uh, if you find any content on either channel that you want, please like, subscribe and share. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get used to saying that. Yeah, we all laugh. Eventually it'll be normal. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, part of the practice, we've you've covered off some things that a lot of people uh, probably wouldn't know. We might start getting into the practice of below the uh, podcast link in here, actually putting in some show notes and some links to um, the, some of the things that we spoke about so that when we're going through impressions and those kind of things, mm. you can actually have a look at it because uh, honestly, even just that little bit, that little gem of dwell time, um, it changes the conversation if people are out there trying, they can see if a video content producer knows their crap, if we're, uh, knows their <laughs> stuff, <laughs> I'll edit that part, um, by the fact that if they go, hey, we'll put your brand at the front, you go, well, you don't know what you're doing if, that, if your purpose is social engagement. I think it, we have the ability to save a lot of people a lot of time. Absolutely. Maybe um, we should put a glossary on the Loud Days website. Let's do that. <laughs> I don't look after the website, so it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks, guys, for the chat. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. See you next week. Bye.